1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Hope you're all having a wonderful start to your week. Today's episode is going to be different than normal. We're not going to be recapping this week's Real Houses of Potomac, because like I mentioned on the show the past couple of weeks, the schedule for everything iconic this week is a little bit off. Had a wedding, some travel, so all sorts of stuff going on. But I do have a brand new episode for you all with three phenomenal guests. The first two guests are Carolina Barlow and Devin Leary, who host the True Romance podcast. It's an iHeartRadio and Big Money Players Network podcast. They are phenomenal. I was a guest on their show, and they came on to do what we're calling a Bravo State of the Union. So we get into Housewives. We get into Southern Charm. We mention it all. It's a phenomenal chat. They're so funny, so fun. So I know you guys are going to love that, and we get into all the Bravo stuff. Then after that, I have an interview with Jen D'Angelo, who was the writer behind Hocus Pocus 2. Now, if you listen to my holiday podcast, I did a whole episode about Hocus Pocus 2. If you're not familiar, I have a holiday podcast with my best friend, Jenna Brister. It's called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast, where we recap holiday movies We covered Hocus Pocus 2. You can go listen, subscribe to that podcast on your podcast feed. And then here on Everything Iconic, I was able to ask Jen D'Angelo all sorts of questions that I had about Hocus Pocus 2, about how they decided which characters to bring back and how they decided not to bring back others. And it's an interesting chat. So I'll put the timestamp in the episode description if you want to skip ahead to that. But otherwise, that will air directly after my chat with Carolina and Devin of the True Romance Podcast. And then when we're back next week, we'll be covering all the stuff we missed because I know the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion started. I got to see part one. And I did love that Activia Curtis popped out and I offered them all a pumpkin. And I mean, she said she had the biggest day in her charity's history. And then she's like, and here's a pumpkin thank you, <laughs> which made me laugh because it was like, of all things, you know, to treat Tariq did all that promo for a Hand in Yours and the Cheek Wind Chimes, and then she just got a pumpkin with her face on it. And I'm not sure what – were those rotted by the time they got home? Were they real pumpkins or were they fake pumpkins? I don't have so many questions about the pumpkins. That's really the main concern I had with part one of The Real House of Beverly Hills reunion. was like, what was going on with them pumpkins? And I don't believe that JLC, Activia Curtis, was the one who got them pumpkins. I think production was like, okay, JLC, you'll give them that – and at JLC, she renamed the cheek windshime after Dorit. So that was a gift in and of itself. But I just had a lot of questions about the logistics of the pumpkins. And so I don't know who got to keep them, if all the gals ended up actually going home with them. But I don't know that I'd want a pumpkin with my face on it. I would want to take somebody else's pumpkin. I'd be like, give me the Garcelle pumpkin. She's stunning. I want that on my front porch. I'm not sure that I need one on my own face. But I suppose they're all narcissists. So, Also, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then uh, Room 23's Diana Jenkins on the Zoom. I mean, that, it was a good part one of the reunion. I wasn't expecting much, especially because we started off a little slow with JLC coming out. And I thought we're not even really getting to any of the meat of the season because we're spending 10 minutes with JLC. And I love her, God bless, but I also don't need a press junk in the middle of my reunion, you know what I'm saying, ladies, and I right? Anyway, uh, when we get back, we'll be covering the rest of The Real House's Beverly Hills reunion because I do have lots more thoughts. And for now, though, please enjoy my chat with Carolina Barlow and Devin Leary. Check out their podcast, True Romance. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. Also, I want to thank Acast. Pick up my book. It's called How Do I Unremember This? You can get signed copies at store. And all of that said, please enjoy. I'm also doing Patreon if you want bonus episodes of this podcast. If you haven't gotten enough of me yet, which I'm sure you've all gotten way too much of your fill. (laughs) But if you haven't, for some reason, you can go to the Patreon page. I do bonus episodes over there. And the website is patreon.com slash everything iconic. I do one bonus episode a month where I recap Sex in the City. So without further ado, I bid you adieu. And I hope you enjoy my chat. I had so much fun with these two. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. First of all, how are you both doing today?
2: We are great. It is so exciting to be on your podcast. Even you saying that you're fans of us, I don't even care if it's true or not, because it is truly like... 60 milligrams of prozac to my brain
3: i feel like i'm dreaming and i feel like my my mom who listens to this podcast will never be prouder of me than she will be in the moment (laughs) that she listens to this
1: what's her name what can we what can we learn about her
3: my mom's name is Anne. she's an author she we've been watching the housewives since um season one oc the original she
2: listens to your podcast religiously
1: can't go by without asking all these mom questions because i love them i
2: know Moms I love the, the part in your book, Danny, where you talk about being a kid hanging out with your friend's moms
1: and how she wasn't
2: appreciated by her husband. <laughs>
1: that was the dream of a of a sleepover. was like, I just wanted to chat with the moms. Wake up the early. Yeah. I loved That's it. what
3: Carolina did at my house the first time she came over. I like went out of the room and came back in and and Carolina was telling my mom about her parents' divorce. So I was like, okay. Yeah.
2: I get, I like to get <laughs> deep. Well, the thing I think is interesting and I feel like both- you, Danny, and Devin identify with this is that, for instance, I was at a party a while ago, when I say a while ago, I mean about two and a half years ago, and someone's mom was there, and I just felt so tired, so didn't want to hang out with the group. They were playing dice. And so I just said, "Oh my gosh, look at this warm haven, which is this mother and her friend. Let me go there. that this is where I'm safe. This is where I can ask questions, and they will have stories to tell me. And it was such a nice evening.
1: Yeah, they, they know where all the bodies are buried. They have the most interesting things to say. Yeah, I love a mom.
2: I think Housewives is basically a show about moms.
1: Um, okay. So Carolina, yes, let's start with you. What's your favorite housewife? What who, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite city?
2: Uh, Devin got me on Potomac. Um, Karen Huger, I think is just a talented performer. Um, she's one of those people who I, I think she knows the she knows when the camera's on her. She knows her angles. She knows what sort of, shocked faces um to work with. You know, Kyle Richards is someone who I think knows the camera angles by heart, and when you see her shocked faces, she knows just what beats to play for any given moment. But Karen has an element of comedy that Kyle lacks, and I think that she is just a Lucille Ball type of performer. I don't even think Karen gets embarrassed that much. Recently, Ray said, um, as you two probably saw on the season premiere, that he didn't like the fact that she got her boobs lifted and what did she call her boobs? Like T and fee. Yeah. Yeah. She named them. Yeah. (laughs) She was like, I think Ray just minds that other, I don't think Ray minds looking at T and fee. I think he doesn't want anyone else to look at T and fee. I was like, you turned what could have been an embarrassing moment into a great tag that makes you look amazing. I just think she is really the master of that universe. But I also believe the ladies of Potomac enjoy each other's company i do not believe that about beverly hills i don't think garcelle wants to hang out with any of these women she has like an actual career i i think dory and kyle like each other but anyway that's my opinion i love potomac because they actually do have fun together and even when they all hate each other ashley makes them laugh
1: yeah i always say the potomacs the franchises that are naturally funny aren't as fun to recap because they're Genuinely funny. Whereas if I'm tuning into Beverly Hills, like it's pretty easy to—I hate to say—making fun of. But you know, <laughs> you mentioned Potomac women are genuinely having a good time with each other, and it's like, yeah, it's just fun to hang out with them. It kind of feels almost like nitpicky to recap them. Right. If that makes any sense?
2: No. I, how are you going to make fun of someone who says, you know, does a frog have a watertight asshole? They're funny. <laughs>
1: they're actually—they're funny. funny.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to make fun of Mia. <laughs>
1: You know, I really loved, uh, I'm skipping around a bunch, but get on the ride or get off listeners. But <laughs> you were all talking about Southern Charm season one. And I was so fascinated because it has come so far. We're at now in season like eight or nine or something of Southern Charm. And oftentimes with reality TV shows, and I think this kind of ties back to Potomac a little bit because it's still fairly new, although we're entering season seven, but there's something that happens later on in the years where people become media trained and they're more self-conscious about what they're doing on air and on camera. And those early seasons are always the best because it's just a rawness that you get. If you look at Salt Lake city, there's a rawness there that you're not going to get with uh, orange <laughs> County or something that's been on a hundred years. And I'm curious about the Southern charm, like going into season one, what would tell the listeners a little bit about your thoughts on, on those early years of Southern charm.
3: I mean, I watched that when it originally aired. So at that era, I don't remember what year it was, but it was like my mom and I would watch 1989. (laughs) I can barely remember what it was like back then. No, but my mom and I watched everything that came on Bravo at that time. Like we just would give it a chance. And so we watched (laughs) all of season one of Southern Charm and we got bored. Like we felt like it was funny. It was interesting, but a little bit like, okay, like these people are just kind of a bunch of assholes and they just get drunk together. And like Patricia's is interesting. I don't know. It just felt a little bit boring. And then that finale episode, when the title card came up nine months later, everything changed. And in that moment, like we were hooked for life. It was like, we can never go back. This is one of the craziest things that's happened on reality television. And we got to witness it in real time. Like it felt like a gift that did keep on giving unfortunately for Catherine as she continued to get involved with Thomas. But it's also like Andy was saying in the, the Southern charm reunion for this season, he was asking Catherine about her journey from like season one. And and she's been on for a decade from age 21 to age 31. And I've been watching from age 20 to age 30. And I just felt like, OK, we've grown up together and I feel like Catherine is a like a family member now where it's like, OK, no matter what she does, and sometimes it's hard to defend it. But no matter what she does, like I will defend her and I can talk shit about her. But if somebody else starts to, I will lose it on them.
1: That's how I feel with all the housewives. Like when they go on other shows, like even the ones that I hate the most, if they're on Celebrity Big Brother or some shit like that, I'm like, you mean I Teddy Malikam?
2: To- continue. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> like I will defend them if they're somewhere else. But I will hate them and want them off the show if I'm tired. Yes, of Does exactly. That make sense? Yeah, yes, absolutely.
2: Totally. I struggle with Catherine Dennis almost on a daily basis because of <laughs> you know there are two wolves inside of me. Um, that old quote. Uh, and
1: <laughs> that old quote.
2: <laughs> the quote like good and evil are the two wolves inside of you. Um, the one who wins is the one you feed. I have that. Um, but with is Catherine Dennis a villain or a hero in my story? And she gives me evidence uh, for both. I She's a survivor. And Danny, when we interviewed on true, when we interviewed you on true romance, you said something that was so interesting that I've um, quoted many times, which is that Bethany Frankel has given us what no one else on that on reality TV has ever given us, which is an incredible arc from, someone who in housewives terms was living in poverty in a condo in New York city um, to someone who, and, and she was one of those housewives who really, I'll never forget it said, I'm going to be a massive success. And she manifested that for herself through hard work. So Catherine Dennis, I believe is the, another story we have never seen on reality TV before where like Devin said, she's been on TV for a decade. We've seen her become from, as Devin described it, background actor to the star of a show. It's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, the, those ages too are such instrumental ages, 21 to 31 or whatever it's been with her. It's crazy.
3: Even in the reunion, I I I feel like you can always tell episode to episode whether you're gonna get like a good version of Catherine or a bad <laughs> version. And the the good version is great. Like she's just like such a great hang and funny and laughs and like and she seems like she's really able to, like, make fun of herself. So, like, in the reunion, like, she's making fun of herself with, like, the grape jelly meatballs and, like, laughing. And they're doing all these flashbacks to her, like, being fun and and laughing along with Austin or whatever. And then they cut back to the episode where she got in that fight with Caleb. And it's, like, she's sitting there with lipstick smeared on her face. And he says something that's undeniably just, like, a nice thing to say, like just nothing wrong with it that anyone could find. And she flips out at him and it's like, okay, these two people I can't reconcile with, but yet I will.
2: I'm forced to.
1: Yeah, I well, it's what we're, we're asked of as an audience. And so yes. we must just figure it out. Uh, you know, I have to defend those meatballs really quickly because there was one scene early on in the season where she did put meatballs over rice and serve it as a main dish. And it was disgusting <laughs> and weird and whatever. However, the actual recipe of the grape jelly chili sauce meatballs is a Midwest classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it staple in good. my family. And it's, I it, see, I think like the ingredients are maybe gross, but I I swear, but I, my mom, Linda has never served them over rice, like as a main dish, it's always like a toothpick appetizer, right? Like it's an hors d'oeuvre. It's not a main dish. And so she took a lot of heat for that, but those meatballs are fucking good and addictive and the ingredients sound disgusting together, but somehow in a crock pot, they melt together, but I do not support her putting them over rice. It's just unacceptable. That's where I draw the line.
2: Wait, Kevin, I'm glad you cleared that up. I've never asked you this. What are who's your favorite housewife? My mind was really
3: reeling after after that question was brought up because <laughs> it's so hard for me to say. I think like when I so, but then Danny, when you were talking about where we're at with Salt Lake City, it's it's hard because it's like the first few seasons are always the best, and I felt like this this second episode of Salt Lake this season with the the shaman and the oh, yeah. cacao shaman. drink and whatever. <laughs>
2: I Wait,
3: just felt
1: how like did she pronounce that? Meredith said it so Meredith is Shama. shaman. <laughs> like this is not the first time I worked with shaman. Shaman and, and no, no one questioned it. Oh, uh, so I've been I've been very critical of Whitney's uh, I guess accent work or something because she kept saying hilling. <laughs> hilling and yeah. apparently it's like a Utah accent that I just wasn't aware of, but she apparently says a lot of like hilling instead of healing.
3: Yeah, I, I feel like she almost has a similar accent to Sheena on um, Vanderpump. I don't know where Sheena's from. To me, she's just screams Hollywood, but I don't know where she originates from. But the point is that watching that episode, I felt like every single woman on this show is giving us something. Mm-hmm. There's not a single person who's just there like we have with like Beverly Hills. It's like, okay, most of the time, Crystal came... A couple of episodes with something, but most of the time she doesn't, and Dorit doesn't really do anything, and that's how all these franchises. I mean, Potomac's not really like that, but actually, I it is know, like Robin. That. Robin. Yeah, she <laughs> yeah. Nothing. There's like a lot so... of dead
1: weight on every franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. People And sometimes they take a season off and it's like the certain cast members just won't have much going on.
3: So I don't know. It's hard to say who my favorite is. I feel like right now, my favorite is the entire cast of Salt Lake, but also I agree. Karen, Nene. I feel like Bethany and Nene both brought a new element to these shows, which is that you can become almost a list from them. Like they, they both kind of had huge careers from it. And we're genuinely like funny and talented. And, but I'm also, I'm rewatching season one of real housewives of New Jersey. And I can't help, but think like the arc of Teresa is something that is incomparable.
1: I think we we as housewives fans sometimes don't appreciate if you will, like the things that we've been through with some of these people. And (laughs) it's so weird to think about. And there was this excellent documentary that I recommend to people. If you ever watch MTV's the challenge. They did mm, a six-part yes. documentary series recently, and I thought, like, what are they going to talk about? It was six full hours about the challenge, and ultimately, I loved it. I thought it was so good. And what I think is so special about that show is that some of these people have been with us for three decades, and there's people that I watched on the Real World the real in the nineties, yeah. and or, or the original Road Rules or something as like a young kid, and they're still were able to catch up with them. And so I think with Housewives and Bravo, one of the interesting things about going into like the era we're in now or whatever, if you want to separate it like that, but it's like, we're going into this time where we've been with these people for so long. So to be with someone like Teresa, where we were in the room where she was at the delivery room, and then we were with her when she went away to prison and then it coming back. And it's just like crazy to me to think about that. And I think that's what makes these shows so special. And I think, Oftentimes people compare to soap operas. And my mom like loved soap operas. I, she always loved All My Children, One Life to Live, like would tape them every day. And she loved it when her characters would come back or they'd weave people mm. in and out. And I think that's what's getting good about the Housewives going long, because even though certain franchises they get too media trained and stuff, I like Having people around or weaving them back in and seeing what they're up to now, and so I, I think they're, it's like a give and take, right? It's like going on too long. Like sometimes I think sh- Southern Charm, it's like maybe we need to put that out to pasture. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah gotten kind of rough. But then at the same time,
3: <laughs> at the same time, I can't wait for reunion part two. Um, <laughs> no, it's but also I do okay. So like season one of Jersey, I do want to check back in with the Manzos and with Jacqueline. Like I really. It was such a great world because they all knew each other and I think that is kind of missing now from from the new like iterations of these shows. It just was like they the, half of them were related and then Danielle was like friends with Jacqueline and Teresa was friends with Care. It was just like all connected and it was like a suburban melodrama that that took place um and i do want to know like what's it called the brownstone is that still up and running are they still Mm -hmm. having events there like i want to know what's going on but
1: i also think it would be so fun to go full circle and see teresa make up with caroline or Jacqueline. and i just think there could be something so beautiful about that arc if they were up if they were up for it i don't know if they i think they tried to get caroline back but they haven't but they wouldn't meet her quote you know they don't have the money. Oh,
3: interesting.
1: Yeah, she. Well, said, I mean,
3: she she's wealthy, so that makes sense, I
1: guess. She she said in interview, she said they keep asking her, but she told them like, here's the number, I'll come back for. It. And she didn't say what it was, but I I don't know where the interview was. I, I hope I'm not making this up, but it happened somewhere, I think.
2: I wonder if Denise <laughs> will come back to Beverly oh. Hills.
1: I think, I she's think so, and I, for, I she's angling for it. I think it, so right? too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, because like, I think every she, social media post,
2: she. I, I mean, let's be honest, Denise needs needs
1: it. Yeah. Do you see some of the projects Denise has been in since she left them? <laughs> Shocking. Just go to the IMDb page. It's like a, a wild ride. There was one where it was like a a pirate kind of vibe and it was like a straight to video piratey. And I was like, Denise is a pirate or you know, like, it's just so weird. Like you just, when you picture pirates or olden days or like costume period period dramas like you just don't imagine Denise Richards I'm sorry like she's just not someone who's in that in an era that's not 90s and later
2: wouldn't it be amazing though Florence Pugh on the House of Dragons if you just see Denise Richards show up as a character (laughs) like bleach blonde or long hair I'd be like ext- them That them. would be finally, I'd finally watch that show. Yeah. I I, I think we'll probably see a return of Denise. I'm so curious, Danny, because when we talked to you, when we spoke to you last on our podcast, you mentioned how you once in a while DM with Trichelle, um yeah. from the real world. And I was, I'm so curious what your DMs look like.
1: They're, they're wild. Um, Trishelle, <laughs> I love Trishelle. She's like very sweet. And yeah. she's someone who I feel like is a reality TV star. Like yeah. she, I, I think actually people don't give Trishelle enough credit for what she's done for the reality TV arts. And a lot of those real world people, I mean, they were bringing us content in a different kind of way than they do now. And they were so unapologetically themselves without, without all the promise of Instagram fame. Mm-hmm, and so it's yeah. like Trish, Trishelle was doing all that for nothing. <laughs> she wasn't getting paid a lot of money the, nowadays on the bachelor world. They know that if they have a moment or something, right. it's going to translate to followers. And then that translates to their sponsorships with Instagram, which is tons of lucrative money. Yeah, But Trishel was just going on TV for dollars and <laughs> again, a good condo TV. in
2: Vegas. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So uh, yeah. So the DMS are interesting. I always get skittish when people message me stuff about these shows, because I never know who's telling me the truth. Cause sometimes like a, if housewives are feuding while they're filming they'll like try to reach out to podcasters and bloggers and stuff like that and i can see through it all like i mentioned with beverly hills they're so media trained that it's like i know what they're doing i uh, love yeah.
2: when they say it's on the blogs it's all over the blogs
1: yeah it's all over the <laughs> blogs like you put it there or like you had you were messaging people to get it up there
2: yeah it's like, Erica like i wouldn't even know how i wouldn't even that. know where to do that
1: Right, like that was crazy to me. Like, what do you mean you don't know how to do that? You, and even if you you're in Beverly Hills, like you are, are aware of how media works. Like, you're not a big dummy. I mean, like, yeah, I, just the idea of that them not knowing how it works. It's like you all know how it works. Don't be stupid. We know you're not stupid.
2: The only person who I I don't know if she would know how it works without a professional holding her hand is Kathy Hilton, given True. that she reached out to her husband Rick via Instagram comment.
1: I, I see. I do actually think like Kathy's also more calculated than she lets on she knows i think she's smart too and i think just judging paris i think paris has kind of made the game and knew what she was doing from a very young age i I don't know i just see i just don't trust any of them like that's where i get in like my conspiracy theory zone because i'm like i don't trust any of you people especially beverly hills like uh, the other franchise you mentioned karen uger it's like I don't think Karen is as savvy about right. things. I do think she, Karen's a little savvy.
2: I mean, I, when you have a creative director, you definitely know how to reach out to Page 6.
1: Yeah. And the I the truth is like the Salt Lake City women.
3: I was talking to a friend about Whitney and and just about she is not in a bad way, but like almost so naive and so not savvy that she's giving us like a storyline beyond our wildest dreams because she just immediately goes to Cameron is like, this is what's going on. Like, you know, and immediately like sobbing to her husband. And it's like a very real scene because I don't think she stops and thinks like, well, I, do I want to talk about this on national, national television yet? I don't know. Or like at dinner, I don't think she stops and thinks like, should I bring this up now? Like, I think she just goes.
1: <laughs> Devin, I'm and... so, I'm so glad you said it. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm so glad you said this because I've been critical of Whitney Riald Rose because to me, for a while it was feeling like it was feeling like she was doing storylines that she thought should be a storyline, for instance, with the husband and the paint and when they were doing that sexual oh, scene or whatever,
3: that was but, tough. Yeah. But
1: I I am actually maybe starting to come around to kind of what you were saying, because I, I ultimately think if somebody was so savvy they would know to stay away from those storylines, yes, right? Yes. And so I actually I'm I'm I think I'm really finally like my I'm having that aha moment with your point of like I actually she probably is so unsavvy about it all that that's why she's giving us these storylines that feel fake and rehearsed. Does that make sense? Yes.
3: Yes, and I have to credit my friend haley who who pointed that out to me because I was kind of like, "Why is she like talking about this immediately on t v and and also though, I have to say, Whitney is a burgeoning star, and I don't know what's gonna happen." Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know you what's gonna happen.
1: I was on like, the edge I, of my seat that whole sentence too, by the way. Sorry. Edge of my was, fucking seat. I was
3: realizing as I said it, I'm like, I might it might sound like I'm saying something more controversial, but I feel like she's like the next Kyle Richards because, first mm-hmm. of all, she her husband, I feel like truly I look up to their I was telling my friend Haley this. Like I that's like my goal relationship. Like someone who loves her so unconditionally. I feel like she had a tough growing up and then she found home in this man. In the workplace and under not so great circumstances, but she found home in him. He'll support her no matter what. He clearly like, thinks the world of her. I think she seems like a great mom. She loves her kids. She has cute interactions with them. And so she's like relatable and real, but also not afraid to start drama, not afraid to be clearly. in the drama. She, she just... She gives us crazy looks. She posts really bizarre reels on her Instagram. Like she has everything that I need in a housewife. And I feel worried for her and Heather's falling out. It's yeah. kind of like. You lost me.
1: <laughs> I'm scared about it because I also hear it goes into like ultimate girls trip. Cause they went on that season together. Oh my God. And I, I do not wait they've made for that season. Yet. I don't think the two of them are made up yet. I think that's still going on. But the Salt Lake City Women, to me, like if people aren't listening to or watching the Salt Lake City Women, it's like the best TV. And I, I feel so sorry good. for people who aren't on board with this <laughs> because no, it's just it's so, so good. good.
3: I mean, and- Meredith coming late to the cacao ceremony <laughs> and then immediately sitting down and starting sobbing was gold. And then Lisa's sobbing about her abandonment because she like did her sister's hair growing oh, up. Oh, like,
2: my gosh. Just
3: it, I- was, it was giving so much. And then well, the Whitney's like, sharing about abuse. Well, yeah, Whitney's like, I just realized one of the worst things that could ever happen to someone happened to me. And
1: Lisa's like, I did my sister's hair
3: She's growing up. Like, you don't up. understand.
2: I was braiding my sister's hair. <laughs>
1: Or she, but also or that one story she told about being left at the playground or whatever.
3: <laughs> that it's like whitney's talking about everyone.
1: real abuse and lisa's like and then they left me at the slide i didn't
2: <laughs> she also bandit. had the energy of like you don't even want to know how dark my I know. stuff goes and i went to the she's like, i wish i could gone. block it out <laughs> yeah you should also- i should be so lucky
3: but Danny, you played all their taglines on your um, recap of the premiere, and even the taglines this season are the the first one. I think is Jen saying, "I'm fighting for my life, not your approval." <laughs> it's
2: like <laughs> do, you're wait, kind wait, of a fighting up. for you know nine approvals. Actually. I want to talk
1: to you both about Jen Shaw because I do get <laughs> y- you've asked me about my DMs, and I do get DMs about the Jen Shaw thing because. I maybe sometimes am not as hard on Jen as I would be on Bamboozled Jane over in Beverly Hills. <laughs> but, and I don't blame myself for that because I actually am of the opinion that Bravo is presenting Jen in a different way. And so I'm yes. following their lead. We're always following Bravo's lead. And I think Bravo is editing and showing her in a different light than they do Erica Jane. Mm. And so I think the viewing audience is saying, yeah, Jen's coming across as easy breezy, beautiful. And Erica is not. <laughs> That's what it, they're showing us. But am I completely off base with that?
2: No, Erica I, is I, not doing herself any favors by referring to a trigger warning. That is the word that starts with V as in victims. She was like, oh, yeah, you know my trigger word. It's V. I was like, you mean you're upset? <laughs> <It's> me. <laughs> I took me a second. I was like, V, 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 V. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> plane crash victims? That's going to get you upset? Um, While well, Jen Shaw, when she's talking about her sons being scared of her going, that wrecks me. Like, that. that actually makes me upset and... Uh, Erica, I just don't feel as bad when she's telling Crystal, like, oh, here's my rental house in Beverly Hills that's 10K a month. Girl, it, it's not beautiful at all. That's not eliciting any sympathy from me.
1: Yeah. Well, and, I think, I, I think it's, there it's, is a big, oh, I'm sorry, Devin, but I think there also is a big difference between where Jen actually did these crimes and Erica did not, <laughs> but they are presented.
3: <laughs> in a I know. Way. Well, it's funny because I think, okay, so like, I think that we watched it all play out last season. The power of Jen Shaw. I think she's genuinely like a narcissist in the way that she is, um, in the way that like Jack Nicholson probably is. Like she's like really <laughs> charming. So like last season we saw all the like Heather and she like did horrible things to Meredith and like m- liked comments that were like slurs against Mary, the son, what, Meredith's bitch. son. Meredith's
1: <laughs> son. Yes. A a like bitch. homophobic.
3: And, <laughs> And she does these things and then she gets in these conversations with these women. And by the end of it, they're like, let's get a drink. Cause she is (laughs) like, she has this like charm. She's charming. And it's really something that Erica lacks from season one. Mm -hmm. When she came in season one, it was, we were all kind of like, I think like, okay, why is she so cold and weird? And then eventually we were like, oh, she's like this, she has this persona and that's cool. But Jen has like this down to earth seeming charm and quality, but it is so funny. Cause it's like, on Beverly Hills, like, every single episode is, like, a different way to – who is going to – like, Sutton literally said, like, I'm going to check out this round of, like, confronting Erica about, like, her sins of being married to someone who committed crimes, whereas premiere of Salt Lake, they're like – well, so Jen because of her federal um, scam <laughs> that actually harmed millions of elderly people she actually can't leave the country so let's go to Arizona because like it's her last weekend before New York and she's like ladies like thank you so much for this trip it's so and they're like oh Jen okay and I think you get because- the main bedroom because you need yes.
2: like-, That's
3: like the Wait, craziest
1: what? fucking thing that they're just like yeah you get to choose the best bedroom
2: <laughs> because you have trouble sleeping at night because you've defrauded the elderly Yeah, exactly. it's so
1: fucking crazy but the supporting Cast on Salt Lake, I do think that influences us as, as an audience as well because we're hearing Heather Gay, who is seemingly <laughs> down-to-earth normal person, yeah. and she's like, Yeah, well, she fucked up and she's my friend. And you know, I don't I don't think it's good what she did, but uh whatever. I'm over it. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> on Beverly Hills, like I don't think they do Kyle's just like you know, she's scared. They're yes. kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like even Erica's friends are kind of in the middle because they're afraid of how they're going to look. Whereas on right, Salt Lake right. City, Heather's like, I don't fucking care how I look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I look nuts <laughs> sticking up for Jen Shah, but I'm going to do it anywhere. Instead exactly. of Kyle Richards, like, oh, uh, well, I don't know why Erica had to say don't that Don't say way. that
2: because yeah. you're my friend and I can't stand by you saying yeah, that. Well, Erica's like, I don't care. I only care about me. And Lisa's like, we've got to get her out of here.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, what? it's like Amanda Knox. That's what I was trying to think of. Because it's like, it's like, okay, Amanda Knox with Erica Jane. It's like, Amanda Knox was innocent, but she was just unlikable. Doing and weird. and yeah. even in the documentary, like I was like, okay, you're an amazing advocate for like innocence and, and the justice system, but also like, you're really annoying and weird. And that's how I feel with Erica is like, I'm like, I don't want to believe you. Like, it turns out you... <laughs> Once you like show your true colors, you are loud and grating and rude and don't care about anyone but yourself. And I don't think Jen cares about <laughs> anyone but herself, but she's really good at pretending she does. <laughs> and she's funny. And I don't know.
1: I really think it comes down to Heather Gay because I just really love Heather Gay. So I'm like, well, if Heather You're Gay right. can like this person, then like, true, I, I'm, that's I'm sure true. I can too. <laughs>
2: It's so interesting with Jen Shaw's Botox, it's really unsettled, it unsettles me because her personality really lives behind her eyes, and as you know, they can get um, glaring, and one thing that I just thought of her from season one is I thought, oh, there is a screw loose with this person. Even before, you know, uh, her crimes were made public, her lashing out at her husband's birthday party it it yes. seems like what we um like what Beverly Hills probably got from Kathy Hilton in private, we get from Jen Shaw in public, and it does not seem like you guys um said it. It does not seem for entertainment. This actually does seem like she just loses it once in a while. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I just want to say that we're. On a roller coaster with the women. And so I have had episodes where I like started to like Erica Jane in the middle there. It was like a couple weeks where I was like, Oh, I think I kinda am on this person's side. And when she oh sorry, go ahead. Then she lost me again.
2: When she told Sutton when Sutton said, Do you feel responsible? And Erica Jane said, Does a the wife of a doctor feel responsible for his dead patients? I, I did take a second there. I was um I was, I was brought to the, I, I thought maybe, maybe I'm you with her, but to the light. I was brought to the light. Maybe, you know, it's not her fault, but she loses me with the earrings as she lost mm-hmm. us all. She, she has, um, in fact, in the season finale, she says something like, isn't it interesting? I can take responsibility for what I've done, but no one else can. I was like, Erica, you don't take responsibility for anything.
1: Right. Every yeah. time they confront her about anything, she gets so upset.
3: Well, I think she could take a page of advice from this podcast if she listens, because I think she's choosing she the wrong that. people. <laughs> I hope she doesn't, but if she does, she's choosing the wrong people and, and like Heather Gay reflecting on Jen as making her look better. Like I think if if Erica really committed to like mending things with Sutton, trying to get through to Garcelle, like she really needed to bridge that gap. And she wasn't able to. So in the end she's left with Rina, and that's like the worst possible you look want, you yeah. can have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she just needs tough. someone
1: sympathetic on her side. And I just don't know that enough of the Beverly Hills women are that. So I don't, know, I, I don't even know who she gathers. Like, I think I, it's, it'd be a tough go with any of them because it's it like, would. none of them a, seem as nice as like a Heather gay to me.
2: I have a true. question for both of you because you two have such longer experiences with these ladies than I do. Um There is so much hate for Lisa Rinna on Twitter. Yes. On Instagram, there's so many memes, tweets about her I uh, leaving the show and how they want her to leave the show. Is is it because, as Kathy Hilton said, she is Hollywood's biggest bully? <laughs> Which I was like, that's an honor to think that Lisa has any standing in, like, show business. But um, why— well, she
1: did have a guest arc on Entourage Season 5, <laughs> so, you know, I wouldn't—
2: By my, by my so time. Um, what What is the source of this? Just that she's a quote-unquote annoying—
1: I think she's run off a lot of people on the show. I, I think Kim Richards and Eden right. Sassoon and Denise yep. Richards. And I think, um, she's given us such great TV. Mm. And I think she really looks at the job of like as a drama driven reality show. And right, so I think that that's just what she goes into it. I don't think she's really friends. Like you mentioned earlier with any of these people, ultimately she looks at it more of a job and a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like she would, uh, the Melrose place reboot that she tried to get on. Um <laughs> so, I, so I think that has part of it to do with the fan bases and, and Lisa Vanderpump. She also kind of, right. she ran a lot of these people off the show. And, and I think I really liked it. That style of, of whatever she was giving on the show for a few seasons. And it just, I think it's starting to get a little tired and it's like, Mm, we're, it's so expected now that we just, I think want some, a different flavor Mm. from her. And so I'm of the opinion that she should definitely be put on pause, but then like come back to us. Right. And it, uh, and see if it works a couple of years down the line. I don't know. Devin, Mm. what do you think?
3: I think so Carolina and I have a friend, Chelsea Connors. Um, And one seat, like, I think the season before uh, Tom Girardi's downfall, I I texted Chelsea and said, Erica's kind of bothering me this season. And she said, she's flying too close to the sun which I think is the perfect way to phrase it because at that time it was like, okay, so Erica had like this boom of popularity. Everyone suddenly like the pretty mess book and everything. And she was like the relatable one and the normal one. And she started a career in her forties as a pop star and she's like iconic. And then she that all got to her head. I think the same thing happened with Lisa Rinna, where like she started out as like, I'm a, like down to earth. I'll do anything. I'll do diaper commercials, whatever. And like me and Harry and, and everybody, she danced at Andy's baby shower. Everybody loved her. And then it went straight to her head. And I think she knows she doesn't have, I think, well, okay, on the one hand, I think if she had gone Harder towards the like, I'm going to do the down to earth storylines. I'm going to do the stuff with my mom. I mean, rest in peace, um, the stuff with her family and, and, and Harry, I think if she went harder into that, instead of like being like, I'm the iconic, I'm the star, mm-hmm. I'm listening to me, whatever. And then she got threatened because Denise was like becoming the new favorite. So she tried to put like, she, she just see, and she Kathy, seems so too, I think
1: even yeah. though I I don't think Kathy was innocent and everything, I do think a majority of the issue was that she was becoming the fan favorite. And so they were just, and I think that's translating of like, yeah, maybe Kathy did these things, but also you're all just too excited about it. Like you're you're leaning into it too hard. And yeah, when she first started the show, it was the whole thing was like Brandy Glanville was making fun of the haircut that she had uh, for a hundred years. And now she leans into the glam the way that Dorit and Erica did. And I know the show has evolved and stuff like that with glam, but I think we're missing part of that kind of down to earth Rena, and that all translates. I think the big headedness translates to screen. I think we're seeing that just to tie it back to Southern charm because Craig at the reunion, Uh. Leva Leva had said like Craig said, he was the biggest star in Bravo and he was talking about his Q score. Yeah. And I hope I'm not giving anything away, but I I got a chance to see the like winter house premiere. And there's like a thing that comes up that people, I I don't want to spoil, but it's like, I, you can set, you could feel his big, the big headedness coming through. Even sometimes when it's not as apparent. you can feel it through the screen. Yep. And I think that audiences respond to that.
2: I do think Craig is um, an alcoholic who needs to get sober. I mean, I, I would say the majority of the um, Southern, I would love to watch an episode of Southern charm where everyone goes to rehab. And I think that is like a way to keep the series fresh. Um, but that's There's, a really interesting yeah. interpretation of Rena. I think I've never heard anyone make an excuse for gossiping like she did um, at the finale where she said that um, if she doesn't talk about what happened with Kathy, she'll get cancer. She's like, I can't keep this down. If I don't talk about this, I, I will suffer. I will get cancer.
1: Craziness, craziness. Like the way that cancer has,
2: the way that
3: cancer has suffered on the channel of Bravo, (laughs) the way that cancer gets thrown (laughs) around left and right. You were talking about the, the Kim Zolciak fake cancer moment. Now we have Mia's Mia. talking about like, did you have cancer? Did you not like the, the Vicky way cancer
1: they, scam? The, the,
3: the, hashtag kill all cancer. One of the best things that's ever happened. <laughs> I mean, multiple cancer scams with Vicky, like Brooks cancer and then kill all cancer. And you know, I just think cancer is serious
2: and it's a good diagnosis of cancer.
1: It shouldn't be just like fodder for the reality stars. Like when they don't have a storyline going into the season, they, like let's fuck it around in. with cancer. Like, I like just,
2: saying that her friend was like, put it on. You need to put it on Instagram. Like be real. You need to share your highlights and your lowlights.
1: Like, and then yeah, Mia, what did she say? She's like, I, I don't need attention. It's like anyone yeah. who's on this show needs attention. <laughs> like that's why you're on this program.
2: I also went on a deep dive on um, Denise Richards' husband, Big Dick Aaron's um, uh, Instagram account once. Um, and speaking of cancer scams, you know, he obviously has people like sleep with like pebbles under their pillow and stuff as a part of a treatment I, center he see, runs. And I
1: miss that sort of like, wow, oh. that weirdness that was with him. That Big was Dick good, Aaron yeah. and Denise, like all of that was so, I felt like we only barely scratched the surface of that.
2: Oh, totally. but when Big Pharma was following him? Yes. Yeah. Like, um, we
1: just went past it and never dove back in. I'm like, what the fuck? I, that's, I just need her back for that.
2: I need that, yeah. But uh, someone was commenting about... Uh, she posted, I think, in response to every, all the housewives being like, he's a fucking quack. Uh, she commented about how she loved what he did, and she was fascinated. She was learning so much. And someone commented, um, you know, does... Aaron's treatment work on cancer survivors, and she of course responded like a lot of people have been seeing results. I was like Denise, why are you doing this?
1: Did you see why this isn't really related to Big Dick Aaron? But did you see when she was hawking the Bible app? It was
2: <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: I didn't see that.
1: It was there's some app, and forgive me, I it's sac- I don't mean to be sacrilegious, but I just thought it was funny that it was like. Denise behind like a heavy Instagram filter
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: saying download this Bible app. And I was like, there's no, I, I'm sorry. I just didn't, I can't imagine Denise. Like she was like, I wake up in the morning and I do my Bible verses. And I was no. like, Denise, I didn't believe this.
3: Denise, you wore a romper to your wedding. I, I just don't her. think so.
1: I love her. I mean, I, just I also,
3: her. I love her. And I also, I still stand by like, this is the type of support that these women get and these men get in their partnerships on Bravo. Like that is what I aspire towards. Cause again, it's like, okay, that's harmful that she's supporting him, but she is supporting her man. And it's like when Ken was defending Lisa Vanderpump, like no matter what, and he's confronting Kyle and that's like, okay, the dog the whole time <laughs> that might be toxic, Goodbye, but Kyle. I also, yeah, <laughs> but I also really like, I, I aspire to that.
1: Yeah. I don't I like, mean, Mauricio. Get, I don't like when the men get involved. Like it bothers me when they're in there. I'm like, just get out of here. Even Peter Thomas on Potomac. I'm like, Peter, I thought we were rid of you. Yeah. And back. I mean, I like the crossover aspect of it, but, but wait, who oh, cares? can I just ask you, we were talking a little bit about Winterhouse and mm-hmm. um, that. And I just, I, tr- I try as I might. I can't get on board because I feel like the people are my age and yeah. I just. There's a darkness Likewise. to the to the drinking that. Oh my gosh! I don't, and I I don't want to be judgmental, but like I watch it and it makes me un like I get a physical reaction of like I don't know. And, Watching and, Craig I play and I don't feel that way with, with the women on Housewives. Like on New York, they get way drunker than that.
3: They're they're not playing like, like, college smoking. age
2: sports though. Yeah,
3: like
1: okay. I, yeah, I
2: yeah. drinking games when you're in. They've in, earned the right to drink that way. I think that's mm. the difference. Yes.
1: Okay. They've earned
3: the right to to be that way. And it's, it's different than, yeah, like just a bunch of, I guess, mid to late 30s men. Also, like, I think it bothers me that, like you said, that they get big heads about it and that I think you mentioned Danny on another episode of your podcast that like Amanda wanted to be considered for like the the Real Housewives of New York reboot, and it's like no no no, stay in your lane. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just you're not you're not on their level. You're a sideshow. It's like below. You're like below deck. Actually, lower than below deck, I would say, even because below deck has their own following. You're
1: like the sailing yacht. Like you're the (laughs) Or the one on Peacock, which I'm sure is great, but it's not. It's It's not not the the main network
3: but I do still watch it because I do think that Kyle and Amanda's relationship is fascinating, fascinating in a way that's like, this is something I don't aspire towards. And like, it's tragic, but also like, you know, they're both toxic in their own ways. So I love watching that. I guess I'm interested in watching Paige and Craig cause it's like an interesting crossover, but I think she's so much better than him and mm-hmm, I wish mm-hmm. she could see that. So that's frustrating. I think they're all so much better than the men on these shows. Although I like Jason, but so, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm happy do I for watch Lindsay it? and
2: Carl. <laughs> what I'll say is that I, it's so interesting when you bring up road rolls and the challenge right. real world, because that was my bread and butter when I was, gosh, ages 13 to 16. I want to say just really looked forward to it. This was before, obviously you could DVR anything. So I remember the feeling of it being on me, catching it when my mom was not home. Cause she didn't like when I watched the real world. Um, and uh, I think that summer house and winter house give me the fill of the real world. Like, it, because it is essentially just them hanging out in a house together and right, learning how to live amongst each other and who's hooking up and what does that mean? And, but we also get to see them in their home life, which is another. Exciting point. i I agree with Devin. I'm actually very interested to see what Paige and Craig's relationship looks like because I think Paige is a lot smarter. Talk about savvy. I think she's a lot savvier than Craig. So you'll see on Summer House that he embarrasses her sometimes or he when he yell like drunkenly yelled at her about how Lindsay was a loser because she told Paige that he was having sex with Kristen Cavallari. I i could see Paige cringe, like you know, you're not mm-hmm. behaving well. And so and I wonder how aware. long. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I do have to say, I saw Craig in person once and like way more stunning in person. Like he was I mean, a very good looking man in person. I was, he's very tall, which I don't think you could tell on Southern Charm because those other guys are tall. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I want more for Paige. I also just think there's something about whereas watching the housewives get drunk, I feel like they've earned it towards not that they're at the end of their lives, but. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they're feel... in their golden and, years. And yeah. even to bring it to the challenge, I think I don't mind when they get drunk because I feel like they earned it because they're, they're competing. Yeah. And <laughs> there's something about like Winter House where they're not, they're just in any a house. Alcohol, like. Yes.
2: I do not like it when they dance because it seems so clearly for the camera. Like I'm, I, I don't know, like watching Sarah and Austin grind when they first met, I was like, who is this for? Yeah. It's also like they're the people that you would
3: get so annoyed by on the street. Like when Kyle like goes into that person's backyard as a full adult man and like sits on their mailbox or something. I'm like these people you would walk by and be like, shut the fuck up. Like, oh, my God. Like these would be your neighbors that you complain about.
2: So I think that's the thing. And Kyle's uh, mullet wig, if I was Amanda, I would absolutely take that and burn it. I would be like, you can never wear this again. And you it's not a it. joke. It's not comedy to just
1: and put a different just, hairstyle on. We've we <laughs> leaned into it too much. And I feel the same way about that fucking bunny. It, it's funny. Yeah. We're leaning. We're going a little too hard. And we just need to scale it back just a tad just, just, a, just a tad it's like the we mullet do. wig let's scale it back let the audience tell you we want more of it <laughs> yes like, <laughs> don't just give it more of us give it
3: don't yeah. force it on us yes. yeah
1: like let us say where's that mullet wig i miss when you used to put on that fucking mullet wig like get yeah instead it's like we're getting it before we're even asking for it and that's how i feel about that bunny it's like they show it to me every five fucking seconds and like i just want to miss it for a minute
2: let, let me enjoy the it. memory. Let me yeah. enjoy the memory. Yeah.
1: You guys, I had like a hundred topics to talk about and we just talked for <laughs> almost an hour. We didn't get to any of my list. Real quick. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, real quick. Just let me get your, a couple thoughts on selling the OC. I know. I want Devin, you take okay, this one. Yeah, Devin, go ahead.
2: Um,
3: I, my one, and my one main thought, first of all, th- the thing about tables is that they do turn. <laughs> um it's true for this season i watched it and i was like whose side am i on whose side am i on the tables turned i don't remember any of their names in fact um but i ended up being with the two on the side of the two blonde women they all
1: had the same name what was their yeah name? like they, all- Al-
3: they were like alex Ash- or L- Ash- ashley or something alex?
1: no maybe see now i already forgot i did a whole episode on them and i can't even remember
3: i know they're, they're gone from alex, my uh, mind but the, those two blondes, I ended up siding with them in the end. But my main thought is I'm happy for Brittany Snow. She deserves so much better. I don't know how that little boy got. Well, I do know how because that's that's just the way of the world. But yeah, I'm just happy for her that she's free of him.
1: They're all Alex's. I just looked it up. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I, I'm happy about Brittany <laughs> Snow as well. Uh, okay, Magic Mike XXL. I know you talked about this on your show. So I always like to talk about Channing Tatum specifically, who I know you both have strong feelings about. And Mm -hmm. I think he's the biggest gem in Hollywood. I love him.
3: I do too. I think he's rare in that he's multi-talented. He can dance, he can act, and he can be funny and self-aware. He makes jokes about himself. He appears as himself at like, in that, this is the end. Is that where he like did that? Mm. Yeah. So he has a sense of humor about himself. He's not afraid to lean into what people love. Like you said, like people loved magic Mike XXL was everything we loved about magic Mike, the original without any of like the darkness or trying to be good, basically. And he leaned into that. He gave us everything we wanted and needed. I do feel like such a weird mix of emotions when I see pictures of him with Zoe Kravitz, Mm -hmm. because on the one hand, like they're both so stunning and they deserve each other. But on the other hand, I could not possibly be more jealous
2: it's I harsh. love him so much. I have shared the stories multiple times on our own podcast. So I feel embarrassed to share it again. No, but I share
1: I again. Please. once
2: see him when I was 16 years old um, and wasted at the premiere of Pineapple Express. I went up to him. He was only known for Step Up and he was there with Jenna Dewan, his um, girlfriend at the time. And I, yeah, I started quoting lines from Step Up, and they would quote them back to me. And then I said, will you dance with me? And he said, oh, yeah. And then I ran into him later in the night, and he immediately just stepped up and did a dance in front of me. And I thought, in retrospect, how annoying to have someone when you probably have aspirations that are, you know, uh, past step up the movie you just did to have a teenager come up to you when she is illegally inebriated and quote lines to your movie and him and his wife were so girlfriend were so charming about it. He ended up smoking hookah with my friend and catching up with him. And he wasn't a huge star, but it's so indicative of a personality like that where he was in a public place. I have also tried to approach celebrities at, um you know, Devin and I famously tried to approach um, Amy Schumer, uh, once and, uh, she denied a request to say hi to us. Um, um, at another premiere because i always feel like premieres are um a safe space uh, to, 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 to try to say hi to a celebrity and to some people like the amy Shermans of this world they are not they're on um, the, but the it's clock at a premiere. that's they're
1: what the i clock. think that's yeah. what i think yeah i he seems like such a gem and uh, yeah i just love, uh, he also you said triple threat and i just want to mention he also sings because i saw opening night of bigfoot an animated (gasps) film which was surprisingly a musical my friend jenna and i went with some cocktails and (laughs) and we didn't know that it was a musical and suddenly uh channing as an abominable snowman was singing and so that was surprise also i want to say step up because you mentioned it it was the first movie i ever bought on do you remember when itunes started when they first had movies it was the first one, and I I was like dating a girl at the time, and I oh made her God. watch Step Like we had a date, <laughs> and I made her watch Step Up with me, which is like okay, girl.
3: <laughs> and but she's lucky because she got to watch that, you know.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, I got Step Up on like iTunes. <laughs> on like, iTunes. You watch it. <laughs> and I was like, how gay of me. Anyway, uh, I can't wait for the new Magic Mike. It's they just announced it's going to theaters, great. which I'm thrilled about because. That's where that need to see in person. Be seen. he has the best butt in Hollywood. Yep. I love you both. I'm sorry I took up so much of your time. Are you kidding
2: no, me? No, this What's was that? the best time of my life. This I, felt like the opposite of work. I would have paid to be on your podcast. Yes, um, I would pay $100. $100. My yeah.
1: absolute pleasure. Tell all the listeners about your podcast, where they can listen, where they can find you both, and all that good stuff.
2: Um, uh, We have a podcast called True Romance where we talk about relationships, breakups, public relationships, our private relationships and everything in between. We focus a lot on the reality TV, what is under the reality TV umbrella. Um, you can find True Romance with Carolina Barlow and Devin Leary on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. We have an episode come out every Thursday and you can find me on Instagram at Carolina Rose Barlow.
3: Yes, and also just to note, we're, we're covering Bachelor in Paradise right now. So that's what listeners can look forward to.
1: And um, there's a lot and- of crossover people like pe- everything. Iconic listeners like the bachelor world and I don't always cover it. So everyone check out true, true romance.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, the housewives give us bounty. You know, there's moments you search for in the bachelor world. You look for the authentic relationships.
1: I uh-huh. had so many relationship questions. I wanted to ask you both and we never got to any of them. Favorite. rom on again. Favorite rom-com.
2: Oh, favorite rom-com. I mean, it's anything Nora Ephron. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say When Harry Met Sally.
1: Classic. Uh, favorite Mariah Carey song and Sexiest Man Alive. Last question before I let you go.
2: Um, I will uh, say Vision of Love, even though emotions Drake just got me back into. What about you, Devin? Touch My Body or Obsessed.
1: Mm. And Sexiest Man Alive for people, Mags,
3: <sighs> This is really hard. I now, do have to say Channing. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, uh, I know we already.
3: it's kind of cheap because we already talked about him, but...
2: I'm really watching a great show called Bad Sisters. Um, I so had- fucking oh,
1: good. Yes. So fucking good on Apple.
2: On yeah. Apple. Um, the male romantic lead is upsettingly attractive. I, I honestly, I have a hard time focusing because like Devin was explaining with Channing and Zoe, I'm I'm too jealous to fully yeah. um, hear the story and the lines that people are saying sometimes. I just can't stop thinking about how if this world was just like, I would get to meet him in person. So yes. it's hard, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard when you are a girl recognizing the sexiest man alive.
1: I love you both. <laughs> You'll come back and I'm going to ask you about what we girl love you. Because Carolina, you uh, did the Ron Burgundy podcast, which was so funny. And
2: I just have to say, Danny, you are such a special person and such a special personality. And I have turned so many people on to you who wouldn't have found you otherwise because they're not as immersed in pop culture like my parents. My dad, it's so cute when I go to your Instagram account, my dad has already liked some of like the memes <laughs>
0: that you create,
2: which I just find so amazing. I have all of
3: your memes saved in a yeah, file on my Instagram because they're the best of all time.
2: I was dating someone and I was watching your Instagram story, an old one and laughing, which was the Lady Gaga, the meme that you made of <laughs> the, the, Chipotle? Chipotle br- the Chipotle woman when she sees me leaving with a free refill of soda. And <laughs> it's Lady Gaga saying, girl, where do you think you're going? <laughs> and this might be hard to translate over a podcast, but I'll say that uh, my boyfriend at the time just calmly said, what was that? <laughs> and then saying that for the rest of a trip we were on, just randomly walking around.
1: Uh, um, Lady I Gaga just, has given us so many moments.
2: She I has. think you have, you taken so much reality TV, but you do not reply cynicism to it, you know, strangely. You're such a pure heart. And one of the things I love about Devin is that she is such a true fan and she doesn't, look for things through any filter but her own in terms of how does she feel about it and i feel like the same way about go you, on go <laughs> all on.
1: right one more hour okay well- <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know i gotta let you go i've kept you okay. really too long. i love no, you I'm both you'll kidding. come back and we'll do even we'll do it we'll schedule it for two hours with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash everythingiconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's better help H E L P dot everythingiconic. I'm here with the writer of Hocus Pocus 2, Jen DeAngelo. Jen, how are you today?
0: I'm great. I'm so excited to be here.
1: I imagine it must have been really stressful to have this movie come out because the original has so many intense fans, myself included. I love the original. I grew up watching it a million times on the Disney Channel and really became something that was surprising throughout the years. So what's that pressure been like now that it's out?
0: Um, Immense, I would say. <laughs> I am also like a huge fan. I watch it every year um like on abc family slash freeform uh it was i remember i bought it on dvd because there was like a weird remember that weird time where like not everything was available online but all the video stores had been closed (laughs) you Mm -hmm. like couldn't find stuff
1: i remember i shouldn't admit this but i remember you ordering things from netflix and you know how they would come in the mail the dvds and certain obscure movies that you couldn't get anywhere else i would just mark that it never came I hope I don't oh get in goodness. trouble from Netflix, but you would just mark on the form online that said like it didn't come. And then you get to keep the DVD forever, which is wow. essentially stealing. And I'm sorry about that, but sometimes you just need your hocus pocus fix.
0: Yeah. You just need it. And look, Netflix is like a little hard up for cash. They might come for you now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll have to edit that out of this episode. Disney sometimes doesn't let villains just be villainous. You know, oftentimes if you look at a movie like Maleficent or something, they try to make us feel empathy for these villains. And That was, I think, my favorite part of Hocus Pocus too. And I don't think for every character, it needs to not just be a villain. Sometimes I think they should just be villainous, but I thought it was just such a beautiful moment and it just tied everything together.
0: That actually reminds me of one thing that I would like to clear up. Cause I agree. Like I totally hear the criticism about like, I like, I feel the same way where I'm just like, why can't villains just be wonderful villains like do we have to empathize with literally everybody and i feel like for the sanderson sisters a i feel like they do lend themselves to empathy just because like we love them so much and like they're the best and they're just so funny and charming and i feel like the reason that the movie has so much staying power like is them and i it felt like a fun way to kind of like nod to the fans who love the sanderson sisters it's just like there's a reason that you love them and it's because they love each other and they're these like weird (laughs) you know three weirdos who just only have each other um so there's that but then i also feel like i don't think that Like, I've seen some people, like, complaining that, like, Winifred was redeemed and that uh, we're supposed to just, like, forget that she has killed children. And I don't think she's redeemed. I think she just has this one thing that we like about her, which is that she's very loyal to her sisters. And, like, the prologue just is meant to show you, like, why the three of them are so bonded together and why Sarah and Mary will do anything for Winifred and, like, put up with all of her shit because... She loves them more than anything and will do anything for them. And so I think you can have both feelings of being like, wow, these women are terrible. And like, they did just straight up murder a child in the first one and then try to murder a bunch more. Um, and they're not good people and they do go to hell in the end, um, which is good. Uh, but they can still have like, you know,
1: there's one still some moment.
0: good to them, yeah, yeah. even if they're overall bad.
1: I love that. Yeah. Uh, so how did this job come about? How did she get the gig?
0: So it was truly just like through my agent. Like I got an email that Disney was considering doing a sequel to Hocus Pocus. And they were like, do you, would you be interested in meeting with them? And I could not respond fast enough. I was just like, yes, absolutely. I love Hocus Pocus. And at the time, like I was also, because I'm such a fan, my immediate reaction was also like nervousness. Cause I was like, I don't want them to mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. I just was so, I felt so protective of Focus Focus in general, but I also love it so much. So I was like, I absolutely want to talk to them, but also like, are the women going to be in it?
1: They had to be in it. Cause wasn't there a time when Disney was thinking about maybe doing it without, I know that was a rumor where it was like, they were going to reboot it with just a totally new cast.
0: Yeah. they they had talked about doing like, yeah, like a Disney channel or like freeform movie without them. And Disgusting. yeah. Disgusting. I know.
1: Unacceptable. <laughs> Apparently- Uh, so how did you decide then what legacy characters to bring back obviously Billy's back but then I thought Thora Birch was like attached at one point and I read I don't know if this is your script but I read a script like a long time ago and I believe and forgive me if I'm wrong but wasn't Thora supposed to play like the principal or guidance counselor
0: yeah that was my script (laughs) yeah Danny was always like kind of in, it was like always levels with Danny where there were versions of the script where she was in it a lot. And then there were versions where she was just in like one scene and then had a brief cameo later. And then we ultimately, because of her schedule, it was like, we can maybe only get her for one day. So then our last ditch effort was like, here's this version where she literally is just there for one second. And then we couldn't make that work, which was very sad. And it might
1: have been disappointing, I think, if if we only got like a, a smidgen of her, because I think we would have wanted more.
0: I think that's like always, I feel like that was what we really struggled with, with Max and Allison, too, where it's like, if you bring them back, like you want them to really be a part of it and like do something like you don't want them to just kind of like cross through and be like, yikes. <laughs> like, so that was always hard of trying to be like, OK, how do we balance? If we are going to bring back legacy characters, like balancing them with new characters. And so, yeah, it ultimately wound up that we didn't have any of them, but it was I, who
1: would you have most wanted back out of all of the other people who weren't able to make it for this round?
0: I definitely, I was so sad when we couldn't have Danny. Cause to me, Danny is like the beating heart of the first one, her and Banks. And we talked about Banks a lot too, but ultimately felt like he has such an emotional, like nice, beautiful ending And it felt almost like disrespectful to that, to be like, and now he's back. Um, So that was like kind of sad, but honestly, not just because they're on your shirt. I love Jay and Ice.
1: (laughs) For listeners, I'm wearing a shirt with Jay and Ice from the original on it. Uh, (laughs) If They they won't be able to see it. But yeah, I I know it must have been challenging because of course there's an emotional connection to all of those characters. And I loved seeing Billy back. And of course, I don't believe there could have been a part two without the three women. So I was thrilled to have them and then to have a new story because I often find with reboots or sequels for movies that are much older, I feel like it's ultimately always disappointing when we just get a little cameo. So I actually like loved that, just sort of moved on, although it would have been nice to catch up with them. And then my sort of hope is that there's a part three and then we get to bring in some of those other characters.
0: That's my hope as well. There used to be, there was like a throwaway line that I think eventually fell out about how like Max and Allison live in California now and (laughs) that Danny is like a veterinarian somewhere. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm definitely like very into the idea of bringing them back or just even like seeing where they are now.
1: The movie ends with spoiler alert there's a post-credit scene and there's uh, an implication that there's another black flame candle. And I've seen some interviews with, I think like Bette Midler and some people and everyone seems to have a different idea of like, if that was alluding to another one or if that was just a little kind of fun in joke, what was your take as the writer? Were you setting up a sequel? Did you have an idea beyond that?
0: I (laughs) I'm like, how do I answer this? Disney going to
1: get mad at you. you Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. that was Anne fletcher's she really like put that together
1: the director and
0: so i have yeah the director so i have like some ideas and she and i had talked about it but yeah that was very much like her idea of like wanting to end with this tease of something that could happen later and yeah we've definitely had conversations i mean as soon as i was pitching the sequel and like building out the prologue and like the young Sanderson's. I had so many ideas for other stories that could be told in that time period and in our modern time period. So I feel like there's a lot of things to explore for a third one.
1: Okay. Wait. So you mentioned the earlier period and I loved that scene at the beginning with the young Sanderson sisters and Disney plus is doing so many interesting things. The Santa Claus movies, which I love those movies. They're doing a series now. And so is that an idea like doing some sort of series version? I think I've seen that online, people speculating maybe there could be like a young Sanderson series. What would ultimately your ideal choice, as even just a fan of this world for the future of this franchise?
0: I mean, I love the idea of doing like a series or another movie that's like primarily in the 1600s. I feel like it's just such a fun their version of it, like the hocus pocus version of it is so fun and fun to play with. And I feel like it's just so fun to see those characters like growing up and like how they became who they are. So that's like my, my favorite area is like playing with puritanical
1: witchcraft. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I also like am obsessed with the thou and thoust and like that kind of language. It's like really, it's silly and fun. Talk to me about the input of the three women, Kathy, Beth, and SJP. What did they come into uh, the script with? What did they talk to you about that they wanted, or or what were their inputs into this whole project?
0: So it was interesting because I had done like multiple versions of the script, and then when they came on board, they liked what was there, and then just had like some ideas of things to add or things to sort of like reconfigure and like truly one of the coolest days of my life was when they were like, "Bet wants to zoom with you because oh. she has like thoughts on her dialogue. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm dying. Amazing. <laughs>
1: it was incredible. And what so were her thoughts think- on the dialogue? I need to know like, what, what was her one thing she said?
0: Um, she, I, this, I was mortified by this, honestly, because I had Googled this and I thought I had done like a sufficient research so that I was correct. But she pointed out that there were times where I was using the wrong thou and thee and thy, she was like, these are incorrect. These are incorrect and you've got to go back and look at them. And I was like, oh my God, you're hundred percent right. So that was mortifying. And then she had like a couple like jokes for Winifred that were very delightful that she wanted to add in. And the biggest thing that she had was, she was like, they need to have a musical
1: number immediately. <laughs> I love that. You know, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't on board with that first musical number at first. And then there was such like clever editing where it was like SJP popped up and it was a kind of scary moment and yeah. and Kathy and Jimmy. And I was like, Oh my God, I love this. So it won me over so quickly. And I wondered with those musical numbers, how did you all decide what, to do because there must've been endless possibilities. Was there ever a discussion to reprise, I put a spell on you, which I think would have been blasphemous, but I'm, (laughs) I'm sure that was a discussion, right?
0: I, that was not a discussion that I was a part of. Uh, I mean, there were, it's so crazy. Like I, when I first got hired, like I was literally only talking to just these two Disney executives, Jess Virtue and Rachel Young, who are both like huge Hocus Pocus fans and so it was like the three of us and it felt very like secretive. And then as it kept going further and further, it just like grew and grew and grew. And it was so cool to just bring more and more people on board. And Disney has like a whole music department, obviously. Uh, and so the music conversations, like I was never really a part of, um, I've just like eventually heard both songs and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, like right before we were about to start shooting But yeah, I think everyone really felt like I Put a Spell on You is untouchable. I mean, it's
1: so great. (laughs) I know you might not know the answer to this because this is probably just some other crazy department over at Disney. But did you hear from anyone about like why we don't have the first I Put a Spell on You on streaming? Like, what the fuck?
0: I know. Wait, I should (laughs) ask about that because I am. I I've been wondering that because, yeah, you
1: can't find it anywhere. No, please ask anybody. I've been trying to figure this out. I know there must have been some sort of music rights issue with the original. And it's similar to Beth's other First Wives Club. I think it might have been a part of her recording contracts at the time because First Wives Club has, of course, You Don't Own Me, which is like amazing. And that's also not available on streaming. And it's high time that we figure this out. Like, I don't care who yes. has to loosen up the purse strings, like figure it out, Disney, and get it on streaming because a Halloween party would be, uh, everyone would play it during a Halloween party. Like, you'd get so much uh, streaming out of it. Okay. So talk to me about the cat in the part three or moving on. The cat's, I forget. What's the cat's name in part two? Cobweb. Cobweb. Yes. Cobweb's <laughs> going to speak in part two, right? He's going to have some sort of soul. Am I wrong? I... On that? Or part three? <laughs> i what was your take on cobweb Tell me so
0: cobweb was also like Anne fletcher came in and was like there needs to be a cat in this movie and so cobweb got added and like we cast this cat that truly was like so beautiful and also just like very professional <laughs> i was like this cat is a great actor and i one joke that i i just came up with too late like everyone was like people liked it and we wanted to do it, but we had already started shooting and it was just going to be like too hard. But that, that you reveal that cobweb is John Pritchett from the opening (laughs) and that that. every black cat in Salem is someone that wronged the Sanderson sisters. (laughs) that They're just like everywhere. So that's an idea that I feel like
1: we should explore in a third one. If there is one, Uh, the movie did so well. Like I think it was number one on streaming and, I know everybody watched it, like so many people I know watched and loved it with their kids or even adults like myself who watched it without kids. Uh, So have you heard anything about a future installment?
0: There've been some conversations just like very uh, preliminary, but yeah, it was like, was so incredible to see that it did so well because I love Hocus Pocus so much. And I know that so many people love it so much and it really felt so affirming to just be like, oh yeah, like people love this. And like, these are my people. <laughs> and Like I yeah. just felt so like seen. It was great.
1: I had a friend of mine, Aaron wrote a book called Hocus Pocus and Focus, which people can check out. It's about sort of the legacy of this movie of the original. And it's been so amazing to watch how the fan base has grown over the years. And I think for, I'm not sure if we're around the same age, but I think for, for people, my age, I didn't think that it would ever become this big thing because it wasn't a box office success. It came out in the summertime, even though it's a Halloween movie and it just kept growing and growing. And then there started to become merchandise for it. And even you would go to the spirit Halloween and see merchandise for it. And now to see it have this hugely successful sequel, I think it's very satisfying and it must've just been also very daunting for you as the writer, because there's no real it's hard to win in a situation like that because people have such an attachment to the original and I thought it was really truly wonderfully done. I I just thought it was great and knowing about how much pressure there must have been as a a Disney project there's oftentimes so many voices that you're trying to adhere to.
0: I feel like Hocus Pocus is just so special like I've been thinking about kind of like a lot about why people are so attached to it and like, why it has lasted so long. And I feel like it really is that it just feels like this really weird, specific, silly, campy, spooky, fun thing about these like ridiculous, iconic women. And I think like, like people who feel like a little bit on the outskirts of wherever they are, like whatever their situation is, it feels like, Pocus Pocus was like a little secret thing that was like just for us, like for these little outcasts. And like, I think that's why people like really, really connected to it. And that's definitely why I feel like I connected to it. Like, I was such a weird little kid and I loved Halloween. And I just was like a weird little writer who just wanted to like be alone and write scary stories. (laughs) And I like had a crush on Billy, a zombie. Like, Uh, it's just like, I was a little freak and I I loved Hocus Pocus so much. And I feel like that was such a great part of like creating the sequel was that you just kept finding more and more people who were so excited to work on it because they loved it so much and it meant so much to them. And I feel like you can really feel like the love for the pro for like hoax focus in those characters, like in the sequel too.
1: The 90s movies, too. I feel like there was an oddness to them. And we often talk about with streaming services how these movies are made almost by committee. And so the movies all feel like they're in this blueprint. And certainly with superhero movies, we see the blueprint. Works obviously, but oftentimes the movies we get tend to be similar to each other. And I think if looking back on movies to the nineties, they're just a little quirkier, a little weirder. And they took some chances that I think studios maybe don't take as much anymore. And so I think watching that original, there's so many weird things there that wouldn't today be even allowed in a Disney movie. And I was surprised even in part two when you are using the word virgin because I was like, Oh, at Disney, I would, I would have thought they would have been like, no, we can't use the word virgin or we have, we can allude to it or something, but the original yeah. has all that virgin talk yabos and like, just yeah. sort of quirky, weird stuff that I feel like wouldn't, I don't know that it would get made today.
0: I know. It's like, it's like horny too, in a way. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, I think that's also part of it. It's like kids were watching it and just being like, this feels adult, but it's like still accessible what's
1: your take on the did max and allison have sex in the first one and th- that one scene where they're like at the house do you know what i'm talking about i always
0: I do wait this is so crazy i never thought that at all but you're now the second person to ask me about it on a podcast
1: <laughs> i just i just rewatched it and that was the first time i ever looked at it and i was like wait a minute but it ends sort of in max and danny's house. the parents are away and we think the witches are done And then they wake up and it's like, I feel like they're alluding to that, but maybe I'm totally wrong.
0: I mean, I got to watch it again. I never thought that literally ever once, but then, yeah, someone else was like, they definitely had sex in that moment because they're like under a blanket. I was
1: like, what? I think they did. Uh, Is there anything you want to clear up about the second one? Like, was there anything out there? There's one controversy that's going around about the second one with the Penny Marshall scene, which I love Penny, of course, from the first one in the second one, it's on a screen. These two men are watching it and people are saying, what does that mean? But I think it was just sort of like a little Easter egg, but correct me if I'm wrong.
0: Yeah. I think it was just meant to be like a fun little wink to the first one. Um, Yeah.
1: I loved that scene in the first (laughs) one. You want to let me know when we're doing the third one? Cause I need it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm literally like, I'll, like drop everything. Like I love Hocus Pocus so much and it was so fun. And I'm just like, let's, let's hustle and get the third one out for next Halloween. I mean,
1: I'm a little worried that Kathy and Jimmy doesn't want to do it because (laughs) she has mentioned in interviews that she's like, Oh, it could be animated. I'm like, Kath, we need you there. We need you all showing up. And Beth seems to be pretty on board with it. Even SJP is like, I'll do whatever Beth Midler tells me to, but Kathy in interviews. And I know she doesn't, I don't think Kathy like works, you know, I think she's selective with her stuff and I'm worried about it, Jen.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think they all like, they love those characters so much. Like that was when they all came on board and, you know, they had like thoughts on the script and like wanted to contribute to the story and stuff. Like Kathy really like loves Mary so much. And she had all of these lines that she wanted to say. And there were all these like callbacks, to the original that she remembered really intensely that she wanted to put in because she just like that character is like in her bones. So I feel like she would come back, but okay, I don't
1: okay. know. <laughs> I mean, everyone with the money, you know, show people the money, they'll come back. So I need Disney to loosen up the purse strings and get the gals back together because <laughs> we can't, back. we need them back. Uh, Jen, this was so fun. Wait, just real quickly. Cause I want to make sure I, cause I don't want to hocus pocus fans to yell at me. So did you, I know you said there was a a scheduling issue with Thor Birch, but with Allison and Max and forgive me, I don't remember their names. Was that a scheduling issue or was that like a story thing where you just decided this doesn't make sense?
0: It was more of a story thing. Like, uh, because it was just that thing of not wanting to bring them back just to sort of see them, but then do a disservice to their characters by having them not help or like be along for the ride. And so it just felt like it can't, be a movie that's about these teen girls and their friendship and also max and Allison. But I mean, I love max and Allison, uh, so recap, the doors open That's the shawl. So the
1: doors open. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time. Where can people find you on social media and all of that good stuff?
0: Um, I'm on Instagram at Jen underscore D'Angelo and I'm not on Twitter. Cause it was making me too sad, but, uh, <laughs>
1: Sure. Do you have a favorite Mariah Carey song, Jen? I ask all my guests their favorite Mariah song, and also if they were choosing for People Magazine sexiest man alive, who would you choose?
0: Oh my gosh! Uh, oh my gosh, who would I choose for sexiest man alive? I can't believe I wasn't prepared for this question. Well,
1: how about we make it specific to Hocus Pocus in the in the Hocus Pocus universe? Who is the? Well, sexiest?
0: then it's Billy Butcherson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was happy he was back.
0: I love Billy. Like I truly, when he came on set in full makeup, I teared up. I was so giddy. I felt like someone who won a contest. I was like, it's Billy.
1: Yeah. Uh, and he was just as yeah lively and wonderful as before. Yeah. Jen, favorite Mariah song? Last question.
0: I mean, I feel so basic, but I, it might just be all I want for Christmas is you. I love yeah. it so much. Live your much. truth,
1: Jen. Live your truth. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time and thank you for Hocus Pocus 2 and for everyone listening, check out Hocus Pocus 2 on Disney Plus right now. Watch it for the holidays. I already watched it twice and I cried at the end of that speech that Bette gives at the end. Like I literally cried. She's incredible. Like She's amazing. Jen, thank you for taking the time and congratulations on the success of Hocus Pocus 2 and thank Thank you for making it.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. This was so fun.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to see what you do next.